0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. John 19, verse 28. I also want to give a huge greeting to everybody that's in the overflow. We can't see them right now, but there's a whole room of people that are in the overflow. Come on, let's clap and make some noise for everybody in the overflow this evening. A lot of standing room only, and uh, for the first time ever in the history of Zoe, we want to welcome everybody that's watching the live link tonight. Come on, let's clap. We don't know where you're joining from, but we want to say we're so thrilled, we're so happy that you could join us on this very special Good Friday where we are remembering the finished work of the cross, and just to make sure we're all on the same page I want to very quickly recap what we've been talking about as a community. We started in the first week in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the oil press. Where Jesus was crushed. And he prepared himself mentally for the road that he was going to have to face in the journey to the cross. It was in the garden that he prayed, Father, if you can, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will be done but your will be done. He prepared himself, and as his betrayer came, Judas, he kissed him on a cheek, signifying that this was the man claiming to be the king of the universe. They would lead him away, and we talked about this last week, that he would have to go on a journey to get to the cross. He was cross-examined by Pontius Pilate and his wife. He was mocked by a group of people that put a blindfold around him slapped him around and mocked him and said, tell us, prophet man, who's hitting you? You're a prophet. Why can't you tell us who's hitting you now? But he never raised his voice, and he never defended himself. And after he was beaten, they put a cross on his shoulder and made him carry it to Golgotha. We know the story. We talked about it last week, that there was a, a father that was standing with his two boys, they grabbed this guy, and all of a sudden, he's in the Jesus story. Carried the cross of Christ all the way to Golgotha. And it would be here on a hill called Calvary that they would take our Savior and they would drive nails through his feet, nails into his hands. And as there was one on his left and one on his right, our Savior Jesus died for the sins of the world this would be the first time that he would be separated from the father in the history of his life so he says to his father my God my God why have you forsaken me signifying that this is the first time he has ever been separated from his dad because it is in this moment all of our shame all of our guilt all of our pain has been taken upon our savior. God has no choice but to turn his face. This is the first time Jesus is filthy. This is the first time that the blameless lamb of God has ever had any sin in his life. And it was your sin and it was my sin. Watch here in John 19 and watch how John puts these last words of Jesus. It says later knowing that everything had now been finished. In other words, Jesus fulfilled everything that every prophet had ever spoken about his life. He had done it all. Later knowing that everything had now been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it in a sponge and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. I want to preach a message this evening. Write down the three words that changed all of history, the three words that we will hold near and dear to our hearts for the rest of our lives. It is finished. Is there anybody thankful tonight that Jesus doesn't have more work to do, that Jesus doesn't have a long list of things he needs to be fulfilling? Come on, is there anybody thankful tonight that Jesus came and fulfilled it all and did all the work that was required of him, and he declared as he left up his spirit, it is finished. Tonight we are celebrating the finished work of the cross. And because we are celebrating the finished work of the cross, there is no more work for you and I to do. The only work for us this evening is believing. Believing in our God. Believing in our Jesus. Jesus did all of the work, so you had to do none of the work. Your only work is to believe on Jesus. Your only business, your only job, your only role, your only responsibility It's to believe on the name that is above every other name. It's to believe in the one that is the king of not only the Jews, but the king of the entire universe. It is finished. Not it's going to be. Not we're praying and hoping that it will be. No, it is finished. We are celebrating the finished work of the cross to give you a few things whether you're watching online or you're here in the house tonight I'm gonna give you a few things of what the cross the finished work of the cross represents Write down number one he was punished that we might be forgiven he was punished so that you and I could receive the forgiveness of sins I'll watch what it says here in Colossians. Put it up on the screen. I love this verse, Colossians 1:14. In whom, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. In this Jesus man, we have found not only redemption, but we have found the forgiveness of our sins. You don't need to pay for forgiveness. You can't work your way into forgiveness. You can't try and get in good with God. You are in good with God. Jesus did all of the work so you could be forgiven from your past, your present, and your future sin. So whatever sin you have tomorrow, whatever you participate in tomorrow, you could get up tomorrow and you could have an inclination. Some demonic spirit could come over you and you could feel for some odd reason Today, I want to root for the L.A. Clippers. It's an evil spirit. Must be cast down. Satan attacking your mind. Whatever you're participating in in your life, Jesus has covered all of your sins. Think about your past. Think about the things that nobody knows about you. The secrets that you've told no other human, Jesus knows about them. And he forgives them. And he faced punishment so you could receive forgiveness. They punished him, didn't they? They punished him with beating and whipping and mocking and laughing and blood ran down his brow and his feet and his hands. And all of that punishment was on him so you didn't have to face the consequence, the weight, and the guilt of your sin. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I feel like I need to step in. I need to be punished for my sin. And yet Jesus steps up, and he says, I already faced the punishment. I took away the guilt, and I have been punished so you could be forgiven. Is there anybody thankful this evening that you have been forgiven by Jesus Christ himself? Number two, he was healed that he was wounded that we might be healed. He was wounded in his wounds. In fact, he'll show time Thomas. He'll say, Thomas, go ahead. Put your hands into my side where they put a spear there. Put, put your hands in, into my hands where there was nails there. All of these wounds. Look at my back where I bore the stripes. All of these wounds. I was wounded so you could be healed. You might feel like you've lived a life of being wounded, a life of being abandoned, a life of being abused. Jesus went through all the abandonment and all the abuse so you could be healed. Healed physically, healed emotionally, healed spiritually. Whatever you've gone through, Jesus became a healer and he is alive and well as a healing agent today. I was reading this last week in Matthew 4, and it says in Matthew 4 that Jesus started to go around from city to city, from village to village, and he would heal people. He would proclaim the good news. He would preach. He would teach, and he would lay hands on people. And it says in the Bible that they would bring every type of sickness, the paralytics, the blind, the mute, the deaf anybody with a disease and he would heal all of them in other words there was nothing that was bigger than jesus there was no infirmity there was no disease there was no sickness that jesus couldn't overcome he went through all of this wound so you could be healed I want to tell you tonight, I don't know what you're going through. It could be internal. It could be external. It could be a knee. It could be a back. It could be a brain. But whatever it is, our God is a healer. Our Jesus is a healing. Come on, somebody thank him tonight. Because by his stripes and by his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53. Put it on the screens. I love what Isaiah says. He says, but he he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. Maybe there's a family member. Maybe there's something in your life that is broken. Maybe there's something in your life that is hurting so terribly, there's nothing that Jesus can't heal. Jesus can heal any disease, any infirmity, any broken heart. Jesus walked into a church and he grabbed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he said, the spirit of God is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. He could heal anything. What do you need to be healed from tonight? maybe you need to be healed from your cynical nature. Maybe you need to be healed from how broken you are from your childhood. Maybe you need to be healed from a relationship that went south. Maybe you need to be healed from decisions you've made that have broken your own heart. Whatever it is, he was wounded so you could be healed. He paid the price so you could receive healing. Write down number three. He was made sin that we might be made righteous. He's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he literally became sin for us so that in him becoming sin, you might become righteous just read together what the Bible says in Second Corinthians. It says here in 521, God made Him, the Father made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. I will tell you that once you become the righteousness of God, you can't unbecome the righteousness of God. There is no sin too big. There is nothing you have done. There's no place you've gone. There's nothing you've looked at or touched that can revoke the righteousness of God. Is there anybody thankful on Good Friday that my God became sin for you so you might stand before the Father, the righteousness of God? You're the righteousness of God. I don't know if you woke up and knew this about yourself, but you're the righteousness of God. You're in right standing before the Father. Right now, tonight, when you stand before God, God doesn't look with shame. He doesn't look with disgust. He is not embarrassed by your actions. He is not overwhelmed by your situation. He looks at you, and He sees someone righteous. He sees, in fact, when He looks at you, He can't even see you. All that He sees is Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus. He sees the life of Jesus. He is smiling. He is pleased because in your place, Jesus came and became sin for you so that you might become before God the righteousness of God. When you become the righteousness of God and you understand that you're in right standing, there is no worse feeling. The the tactic of the enemy is to get you to believe that you are unrighteous, you are filthy, you are terrible, you are disgusting. That is a spirit of condemnation. But Jesus has come and become sin for you so that when you stand in front of God, you are not your mistake, you're the righteousness of God. You are not your sin pattern, you're the righteousness of God. You are not the reality of what you've done, you are the reality of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't let any serpent lie to you and tell you any different. You are tonight the righteousness of God. And when he said, it is finished, what he was declaring is, you are righteous. He is saying that over your life. He is saying that over your situation. You are righteous. In old church In the law, in religion, you had to earn righteousness. Your striving, your tithing, your doing, and your being was all wrapped up in how good you could be like Jesus, and that made you righteous. But in Jesus and in grace, if you believe in Jesus, you are righteous. It is not your behavior. Come on, Zoe. It is your believing that makes you righteous tonight. When he left his spirit, and he sighed, and everything that had to be fulfilled was fulfilled, and he asked for a drink, I wonder if he asked the attendant for a drink, because he needed to put out these words into the universe. He needed to put out these words into history. He needed the world to hear these words. So he asked for a drink just to get enough saliva to put out. They've beaten him. They've whipped him. They made him carry his cross. But he needed you to hear something. He needed you to hear for whatever you're going through. He needed you to hear in your spirit tonight. He needed you to hear in your mind. It is finished. You are righteous. You are not filthy. You are not terrible. You are not a disgrace. You are not disgusting. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Write down the next one. He tasted death that we might have life. He literally tasted death so you and I could have everlasting life. He tasted it. And he breathed his last, which means as a human he died and he went to the earth. In fact, there would be a man that would go and buy him a tomb, and they would go, and they'd prepare a place, and with spices and herbs, and they would come, and they would, they would anoint his body, and they would take care of his body, and he was a dead corpse, he was a dead man, and he tasted this death so you and I could have life. He died on a Friday. He died. But don't you worry, Sunday's coming. It might be Friday right now, but come on. Heaven just counted to three and said, just give me a second. We're just going to count, and in a few days, my God will not be dead. Come on, does anybody tonight believe in the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Give him a praise tonight. If you believe, he tasted death so you and I could have life. He was just tasting it. He was just tasting it. He had to taste death. He had to do this so that scripture could be fulfilled because he's got to go to the grave and he has to overcome death. He's going to beat death. That's why the Bible says, death, wear out their sting. Death, where is their victory? In Jesus, he has all the victory. He is bigger than death. He is bigger than the grave. He is bigger than sin. He went down and got the keys to everlasting life. And he says, I give them to you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Because Jesus tasted death, so you could taste life. He had to exchange this. Without Jesus doing this, if he never tastes death and he only dies on the cross, he is only a good prophet that had a great work for three years. If Jesus does not rise from the dead, he is just another good man that was filled with good works. Any prophet can speak a message from a boat. Any prophet could come and give great riddles and great stories. Any prophet can go and help the sick and help the poor. Any prophet could be a great human. But what separates the God-man is that he tasted death. So you could have life. He went down to the grave and overcame sin and overcame the grave to give you everlasting life. And when Jesus got up out the grave, that's resurrection power. That same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you tonight. That's called resurrection power. Is there anybody thankful tonight that Jesus went down and got the lowest of low? He literally went to the clutches of hell and beat Satan and beat death and beat condemnation and beat shame so you and I can have the freedom of everlasting life. He did this because he knew how good heaven could be with you in it. I was trying to explain heaven to my son yesterday. He was asking me questions. His his uncle just went to be with Jesus last week, so he was asking me questions in the car about heaven and the reality of heaven. And he asked, he asked a question. He says, he says, Dad, he's in the back seat. He says, Dad, when you go to heaven, um, do you start over? Do you become a baby again? Such big theological questions. And I said, um, well, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Do you want to start over? And he's like, No, just. I could tell he's thinking about his uncle. I said, "You know Uncle Ryan's in in heaven and and he, he maybe he's just his age that he is. Maybe he's just you know just running. You know, you know Winston, I told him. I said, "You know Winston in heaven there will be no more sadness. Like you'll never get sick again. In in heaven, I said, "Winston, when you get there, you'll never cry. There's no more crying when you get to heaven." And he's thinking say oh we're going to use this one and I said oh and by the way you know that when your sister Georgia gets to heaven you know she'll walk in heaven he kind of looked in the back seat I said oh yeah she'll walk, she'll talk she'll dance she'll laugh, I said come on when she gets to heaven you're going to talk to your sister for the first time Does anybody believe that our God tasted a little bit of death for three days so you and I could have everlasting life? I wish we could give him. Come on, give him a praise on a Friday because Sunday's coming in the name of Jesus. He had to taste death. He had to taste death because you and I, we're going to receive life. Through the power of his death. Write down the next one, the, the last one I'm gonna give you. Worship team, you can come join me. He became a curse that we might receive a blessing. He became a curse so that you and I might receive a blessing. Watch in Galatians what it says, He he became a curse. He literally became an exchange for you and I, he literally took our place. It says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. So he literally reversed the curse. He became a curse for us, and in exchange of him becoming a curse. On a Friday, you can get blessed on a Sunday. He became a curse. And that didn't mean that you could get a blessing. He became a curse so you could get every blessing. You could get every blessing in the spiritual realm. You could get every blessing on this planet. You could get every blessing that, could, that was even promised to Abraham. Every blessing that is in the Bible is yours because of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here on Good Friday service that doesn't d- deserve or feel like they should be, be blessed? But by the power of Jesus, you're blessed tonight. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed because he became a curse so you could become blessed. You are blessed because, and some of us need to understand, that whatever your dad did and whatever your grandparents did, all of the generational curses stopped with you. The moment you said yes to Jesus, every single curse was reversed. And now in Jesus all the old things are passed away and all the new things become new. I wish somebody would praise Him right now because you're not cursed. Come on, you're not cursed with a curse. You're blessed with a blessing because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here and maybe you're watching the link and you feel cursed. That is the lie of the enemy because when Jesus hung on a cross and when He said it Is finished he was not just talking about the reality of your righteousness he was talking about the reality of how blessed you are you're blessed in Christ you're blessed in Jesus come on let's all stand to our feet together the last thing I want to say write down the last one if you have your notes with you he was rejected so that you could become accepted he faced all the rejection they mocked him and they laughed him And they beat him and they bruised him. They did all of this to Jesus so that you could become accepted. What changed about about the cross of Jesus, what changed everything, is the reality was that this was no longer for a select few. This was no longer for this group or that group. This was now for everyone. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that if whomsoever shall believe in Him, that if anyone wants to believe in Jesus, they will not perish, but they can have everlasting life. Come on, is there anybody grateful tonight that Jesus was rejected so you and I can become accepted?